Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 110th program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation dedicated to social change. I'm Jennifer Burrell and I'm your host today. Jacques isn't here, but we continue our focus on human rights following the last two programs, this time with Lucy Krahulkova from Digital Rights Watch. Welcome to the program, Lucy. Hi, good morning, Jennifer, and thanks for having me on. Mm -hmm. Pleasure. So today we're looking at the federal government's increasing powers to surveil us through digital technology. So firstly, Lucy, can you tell us a bit about Digital Rights Watch and, and your role with the organisation? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Lucy, as was mentioned, and I'm the executive director of Digital Rights Watch. For those not familiar, we are a digital rights advocacy group. So we promote basically the human rights um, in a digital era and in a digital setting. Um, and we do everything from sort of public education, um, public awareness and campaigns, um, tying basically um, or bridging the gap between technology policy and its impact on individual people. Um, so that can also include things like submissions to um, inquiries that the government does in the space. Um, we consult with um, folks like um, the Human Rights Commissioner mm -hmm. and just try to bring in that lens of um, of the impact of technology on our human rights and the expression of those rights in online spaces. Yeah, you're obviously playing a really invaluable role because it's a highly technical area and really we need people who can communicate it well to let us know what's going on. So I guess a big thanks to you and Digital Rights Watch for uh, playing that role. Um, can you describe to us, Lucy, how the federal government has expanded its power to spy on us in recent times and, and some of the implications of the legislation it's passed? Absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting to mention recent times <laughs> <laughs> because every time um, we think that um, we've reached a new sort of... Uh, we set a new precedent in a way with legislation... Um, we we keep shooting for the stars and, and setting new ones. So this is an interesting concept. Um, look, a lot of governments globally um, are grappling with um, the sort of ubiquity of technology mm -hmm. in our lives. And um, a lot of the ways they've responded uh, is to use those technologies um, to control and, and police. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing uh, legislatively. And Australia is not unique in that respect. Um, but Australia is unique um, in lacking a sort of human rights um, framework at the federal level. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the sort of things um, that uh, don't don't necessarily fly or are somehow limited or restricted um, overseas, be it Europe or U.S., um, Canada, U.K., um, are happen here. So in uh, 2018, 
um, Australian uh, government put forward telecommunications and other legislation amendment. Mm -hmm. I apologize to everyone listening for that mouthful. (laughs) It's more (laughs) lovably known as TOLA or Assistance and Access Act. Mm-hmm. And what this uh, piece of legislation did is um, give the government uh, the power to um, sort of undermine encrypted communication. So the sort of uh, security protocol that um, runs between you and another person when you have a conversation, that thing that um, makes sure that your data is secure from, uh, you know, people who want to commit identity fraud or bank fraud or anything mm-hmm. like that. Most of the internet now is is encrypted. Um, it's why, you know, when people go into a browser, you see HTTPS at the start. That means that the connection to the website is encrypted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really it's it underpins all the online services that we use and underpins most video chats, most communications, everything that you do. Um, and the government really struggles with this because there was a time on the internet when they had sort of. Uh, much looser access to private communications. And so TOLA was the sort of first um, legislation they introduced to give them access um, um, to encrypted communication. <clears throat> and sorry. And so uh, to make it simple, TOLA gave them the power to go to service providers directly and ask for their technical assistance when they want to intercept a communication. What that means in practice is, for instance, um, WhatsApp. I'm using that as an example, but it could be any given provider. Um, They could give WhatsApp a a request or notice. There's a couple of different ways they can do this um, and and ask for their assistance in compromising the security of somebody's chat um, and actually intercepting what that person is saying. Mm. This was really a world first in a way um, because we haven't seen a legislation quite this targeted at secure communications. And, and quite this broad in everything that it gives the government the power to do. Um, and mm. it introduced a lot of uh, powers that we just haven't seen anywhere else, even in comparable legislation in the UK and the, in the US. Yeah, I suppose uh, uh, their line would be, well, you know, we're just trying to catch the bad guys, the criminals, and if you're doing the right thing, you're not going to be caught. Um, or it shouldn't affect you. What would you say to that? Oh, well, we have... <laughs> A conversation we have very often. Um, it, you know, I think this is uh, it, on on its face. I think that argument is fine. However, we see increasing evidence that it's not just used to catch the bad guys. Mm. So, I think in principle, I, I don't have an issue with that concept. But in practice, we see increasingly that it's being used to target uh, journalists. It's being used to target dissidents. It is used to compromise activists. Mm. Um, especially environmental activists around the globe who are targeted. Um, people may have seen uh, last week the Pegasus um, sort of project that, that came to light um, and the way that it's compromised people's mobile phones around the globe. Mm. Uh, these tools are sold as uh, being able to catch the bad guys, but what is a bad guy in the eyes of a government and yeah. a government that is set on keeping the peace and keeping order, um, you know, that can be anyone really um, with a strong opinion or yeah. a strong vision for change. And so we all, we very often see people like that getting captured and the government, especially the Australian government, refuses to put sort of the sort of checks and balances into these legislations that we would envision to prevent mm. that kind of behaviour. Well, uh, I guess it goes to who decides who the bad guys are and, mm. if, um, and that could 
it would probably be the people in power, I just, I guess, um, with these broad powers. Uh, we'll just go to a music break now. Um, we'll go to Dreams by Les, uh, Les Armands d'Afrique and we'll continue our conversation after that. listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au Today I'm having a conversation with Lucy Krahulkova from Digital Rights Watch about our federal government's expanding powers to monitor our lives in the minutest detail through digital technology. So Lucy I understand the federal government's pushing to expand its surveillance powers even further. So can you talk a, a bit about that and what it might mean for ordinary people? Um, well, I can. And great job pronouncing my last name. I feel like you hesitate when you do. But <laughs> Oh, I meant to check you before, but we were in a bit of a hurry. But thank you. How, maybe you could say your last name just so we get it right. Oh, it's Prahultova. Um, but thanks thanks for checking in. Um, Prahultova. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, let me let me jump in then with the um, with the surveillance powers that the government is pursuing. Um, it, I, I think people may have heard um, when Ironside sort of made the rounds a few weeks ago, Operation Ironside, where the government took down a lot of the, the baddies, mm. quote unquote. Um, at the time, the prime minister went on television and said that they are 
pushing for something called the International Productions Order Bill and Identify and Disrupt um, Bill. And uh, these are two sort of pieces of new pieces of legislation. They were introduced last year um, that um, build on the system that we discussed earlier that kind of told us that up. Um, the International Productions Order Bill um, was approved, I believe, a few weeks ago. Um, and what it does is it sets up a mechanism for law enforcement agencies to request data about individuals directly from U.S. companies. Mm. Um, so instead of going through what is currently in place, which is a very complicated legal system um, of requesting that from a local law enforcement and going through the American sort of system, um, they can go to the companies directly. Mm. Um now, just because um, that just because that has been passed doesn't mean it will happen. It, this bill will still need approval from the U.S. side in order to function. So there's a little bit potentially of a silver lining, but mm-hmm. um, the Australian government went ahead and passed that almost immediately. And then the other one that's on the table that I expect is going to be passed imminently is um, the Identify and Disrupt bill. And this is if TOLA was a world first. Um, I think this one really um, would take the cake. What it does is it introduces a couple of new um, warrants, a um, couple of new powers for them to have in the digital age. And it's drafted so broadly that basically if, for instance, we are communicating over WhatsApp or, or, or Signal or Zoom or Telegram or whatever else uh, people might be using to communicate, um they can get a warrant for the entire um, network. So basically, instead of just intercepting the communication between myself and you, they can now intercept the communication between anyone using that same service. Wow. Millions of people worldwide, essentially. Um, And the government, once again, has just simply said they will not use the powers that way, um, which is not a convincing guarantee. Yeah, it's like because we're the good guys, we don't worry. Don't worry about that. We won't use it that way. Don't worry. Trust us. Mm. Um, but again, historically, we've seen it be targeted against activists, uh, against journalists, um, and against adversaries. So mm-hmm. um, that's not a comforting guarantee. And one of the big issues I take with that legislation as well is it has a warrant, um, a mechanism that's called a warrant. Um, that doesn't actually require prior judicial approval. Um, And I take a big issue with calling something a warrant Mm -hmm. um, if it actually hasn't had a judicial um, approval. Mm. And the other thing that I guess um, concerns me with both TOA and Identify and Disrupt Bill and something that I hope the listeners, um, you know, can kind of focus on is there's really no way for you as an individual living in Australia to know if you've ever been targeted through one of these legislations. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, when I think of, you know, accountability um, and, and sort of uh, the social contract that exists between people um, and the state in a democracy, that to me is the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. So the way you will know uh, if you've been targeted is if, you, if charges are brought against you, in a way. Um, otherwise, you'll never know. And it's one of the big things that I always have argued um, through the different consultation processes at the parliamentary hearings, at the specialist hearings at the National Security um, Independent Monitor, um, who at the time was James Renwick. Um, I've always argued that people should be notified 
even mm-hmm. after the fact, once the invested, you know, it's not always, they can't always do it proactively because it was compromised in the investigation. Um, but I think once an investigation is complete, there has to be a right for people to uh, be notified well, that yeah. they were they were impacted, that they were pulled under this warrant. Um, and, you know, if they feel like they want to challenge it, they should be able to challenge it. But at the very mm. least, people should understand um, that they were part of an investigation. And from a technical perspective, they should also understand if some of the security of their computer or phone um, or some of the services they use has been compromised. Um, you know, so there's a technical component, but a very big civil liberties component to it um, that I think the government is incredibly dismissive of. And yeah. and that, I think, should really concern people, that this is an invisible framework that happens in the background. Well, yeah, there there's, seems to be absolutely no transparency or no accountability, um, whether you're being surveilled, but also to do with what information is being collected and even having a good good cause for you to be surveilled. Yeah, yeah, you you don't know, and it could be really anything from the content of communication to uh, metadata, which I know sounds like a hooey term that people might not be familiar with. But you know, the the phones and the services that we use, they take timestamps of where we are, at what time we are there. Um, it's an incredibly detailed log of everyone you've spoken to, when you've spoken to them. And a lot of information can be derived off of that. So, mm. yeah, we, we simply don't know. We get kind of generic reports um, in Parliament. Um, so for data retention, which is another law that was passed in 2016, you know, they'll tell you we've accessed the data this many times for, for this purposes. But the individuals that it concerns, um, they will never know that they were targeted through these mm. legislation. So on that note, we'll just go to a a break and we'll continue our discussion after that. A message from Victoria's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID. To no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on to having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. Please get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial. 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today I have Lucy Krahukova on the line and she's explaining the federal government's expanding powers to surveil people, ordinary people in Australia through digital technology. So, Lucy, with the really alarming erosion of our privacy and human rights through digital surveillance, um, obviously with far too little public scrutiny, I'm wondering how we compare with other jurisdictions. Yeah, good question. Um, I think the most common comparison of Australia is um, between Australia and the UK, um, just because there's a bit of a similar um, common law approach. Um, and... The UK also passed similar legislation um, in 
I think it was 2016 or 2017, they passed the UK Investigatory Powers Act, which did a lot of the similar things that TOLA, which we discussed earlier, does. Um, but UK has a very different um, framework underpinning that sort of legislation. Um, it has, at least at the time, it was still subject to the European Union's um, um, Court of Justice. And even now, after Brexit, it's still subject to the European Court of Human Rights. And um, when you look at a lot of the cases <laughs> that are brought at the European Court of Human Rights, um, they are uh, about privacy um, in the UK. And so there's the want from government to make uh, these sort of um, legislative changes is there. As I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a global sort of struggle. Um, but there's a difference between jurisdictions that have um, at least some sort of rights and protections for individuals and places that kind of get to run um, rampant, um, a bit like Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this was, uh, and this was highlighted as well in Ironside, which we already mentioned, but um, the court documents showed that uh, there were certain limitations that the U.S. had mm-hmm. in terms of its domestic framework and spying on its citizens that mm-hmm. Australia was able to <laughs> waltz through, um, yeah. to say that lightly. So really, it, it just shows you how how much we're lacking here in terms of the protections for individuals' rights. Yeah, and, and as you say, we seem to compare badly with the U.S. Yeah, yeah, it, it truly. And um, I think the U.S. has really grappled with these issues. It continues to. Um, but the Snowden um, sort of revelations about the surveillance that the government was conducting uh, really shook up the system, and it, it set it on a slightly different path. Um, and and we haven't had that um, sort of moment. Of... Yeah. So uh, so Lucy, with all of that in mind, uh, do you think uh, in Australia we need a human rights charter or a bill of rights? I would say absolutely. Um, especially as we move more and more into the digital era, and it's not just about surveillance; it's also about the rights um, that are guaranteed to people. Um, in digital governance, um, and I think a lot of people might be familiar with um, the infamous robo-debt mm. um, campaign, but that automated system um, that Centrelink used to dish out, uh, you know, debt to people in, in a time when everything is going to start to be digital. Um, if you have no guarantees um, and no rights guaranteed by the state, it's, it's going to be an increasing problem. And we see that mentality reflected just yesterday. I was reading a story that um, Senator Jane Hume um, went to say that they don't want to regulate artificial intelligence. They don't want to set up ethics framework, um, which was contrary to what actually Mm -hmm. the Australian Human Rights Commissioner Ed Santo um, suggested. He said that there should be a a moratorium, which is a fancy word for saying the technology shouldn't be used for the time being. Um, but yeah, she went on to say that uh, they don't want to stand in the way of innovation, you know, with with ethics and, and human rights, oh, and that gosh. that is a, a, that I think is a crisis. Yeah, I think that's really alarming because um, innovation in uh, is, is so important. Human rights takes the back seat. How, how does that work? Yeah. So yeah, I, I know um, ex PM John Howard. He used to say, "Oh, we don't need a." you know, a Bill of Rights or a Human Rights Charter because in Australia, you know, we work out all these things by common law, which is, you know, we know from watching all the law programs on uh, TV that that's just what 
precedents that have been set in previous decision making. But um, it's obviously um, not providing that protection, having that framework to refer back to that does this practice or does this legislation comply with human rights? We don't have that frame of reference, do we? Yeah, no, and it's, it's missing. And I think that comparison with the UK draws that out really clearly um, because they, they have a similar system of working out through the common law, but they have a lot of jurisprudence now um, that that has been established throughout the human rights court. Mm. So uh, finally, Lucy, uh, you, you've painted an extremely alarming picture, I think, of, um, and I'm, I'm interested you use the word spying as well as surveillance because it's a, it's a spying of a, on a really broad scale and at a very minute level with not many, n- not many checks and balances for who it's actually being done to and whether there's good cause for it. So you, as I say, you've painted an extremely alarming picture and I'm wondering is there anything that our listeners can do? Absolutely. Um, one of the things we grapple with is that these issues are often very meta they, they, as you mentioned at the beginning, it's very technical and it's um, very hard. But, you know, MPs, uh, everyone in, in government, everyone in parliament is responsible to their own um, electorate. So the greatest thing that you can do is say, <laughs> is write to them, write to people like Senator Jane Hume, um, write to whoever your local representative um, in, in parliament and Senate is and say, you know, I've heard or even even to local councils, you can. But really, at the federal government, that's uh, where a lot of this uh, surveillance uh, infrastructure is decided. Write to them and say, um, I heard from Digital Rights Watch. You can quote me. Yes. <laughs> um, you don't have to be a technical expert to express an opinion that you're concerned about the legislation that's being um, built around us. That's, I guess that's my point. Um, so write to them and say that you're concerned, that you heard that this was the extent of the law. Write people like Jane Hume and say, I'm concerned that you don't think we need checks and balances for innovation that will impact our rights Mm. in such fundamental ways. Um, And it can really be very human and very simple. And it lets them, it lets them know that people are concerned. And when the time is critical, they'll listen to groups like ours more because they've seen that sentiment in their electorate. So uh, talk with, talk with your MPs about it. That's my advice. Mm, So uh, let our politicians know that we're watching them. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah, it's very powerful. So, well, thank you so much. We'll have to close the program now. But thanks so much for coming on the program today, Lucy Krahulkova, and explaining these serious encroachments by our federal government on our privacy and on our political freedoms too, and and making plans to ex- apparently to expand this into the future. Yeah. Absolute pleasure being on. Thanks so much. And to our listeners, thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio today. If you have any comments or suggestions for the program, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our programs are available by podcast wherever you get your podcasts and via the 3CR website at 3cr.org. So if you're interested in the program today, you can replay it and um, feel free to share it because I think it's a really important issue. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.